All right. Good morning. Good afternoon, everybody. Good evening. Welcome to episode 13 of Mental Dimes Bump and Run coverage for college football. We are in week 13. Hard to believe that, TMAC, that we've done this for 13 weeks. Um, but here we go. Great second week. Uh, first week was great. Second week was fantastic as well. Before we get into all the action, let's uh, do our normal housekeeping for anybody listening and watching. Uh, if this is your not your first time, you know all this. If it is your first time, uh, please check us out at mentaldimes.com for all your sporting needs. Also, our uh, handicapping experts are doing a great job just killing it. So if you'd like to uh, bet on some of these games, check us out. Uh, Twitter, we've got uh, at Mental Dimes CFB is specifically for TMAC and I at College Football. If you want to interact with TMAC directly, uh, at Mental Dimes CFB, uh, sorry, at TM Swish, uh, hitting off uh, T's, draining threes, and at NG Triplet, uh, interact directly with me. And then just at Mental Dimes uh, for our overall site. Um, so here we go, TMAC. Uh, a lot of stuff to get to. Uh, week two is in the books. Um, before we get into any games uh, specifically, uh, let's talk about some of the just the highlights, the things that went on. We know that uh, three teams in the top 10 lost yesterday. Uh, number uh, six, Texas A&M, lost to Appalachian State, and we'll talk a little bit about that going forward. Uh, Notre Dame lost to Marshall, and um, Baylor lost to BYU. So obviously a lot of movement going on in the uh, top 10. New rankings came out today, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, before we go ahead and kick us off, what are your thoughts on, on week two of the college football season? What, what jumped out at you, and, and what should we be looking for? Wow, Tripp, it was, uh, it was another fantastic weekend of college football. Uh, lots happening, lots going on, lots of still, still a lot of good – matchups you know i don't know about week if you could one up week one with the matchups we got but man there's been a lot of craziness going on upsets have been happening left and right there's been a lot of craziness and you know like you said you know just just lots going on and uh, lots of teams dropping in the rankings lots of teams falling in and out i don't know if you've gotten to look at the new ap poll that's come out yeah but it's it's the most movement i think i've seen in a poll in some time you know they usually release the rankings here on Sunday. But if you look at that, you look at you, you look at that far right column where they show where they were the previous week. There's a lot of NRs, non-ranked the week before. There's a lot of movements. I think I saw a team that jumped up 11. got pulled up right here. There's a team that jumped 11 spots. Kentucky, your, your Kentucky Wildcats right there, jumped up 11 spots. Lots of movements in the rankings. Lots of teams that jumped into the rankings week one after week one and have already lost a game in week two and jumped back. There's a lot of teams that were uh, highly ranked in the year and have already fallen out after two weeks. So lots of craziness going on. And but hey, it's the it's the best time of the year. These first few weeks getting back into it. I'll tell you the one thing that's crazy about it is it seemed like, you know, there's so much anticipation, so much buildup for college football. And bang, we're already through two weeks already. That's Oh, yeah. And some teams have, have three games. Uh, Jamie uh, Malloy from Mental Dimes, he he already chimed in here notre dame in a tough hole right now got to dig out so we'll get to that one in a minute um but let's talk about uh real quick some of the the teams in that top five uh starting with um uh, the new number one uh georgia they took care of business uh, no problem there 33-0 i don't know that there's a whole lot we need to talk about there other than them jumping over bama um, which brings us to bama number two they they traveled to austin texas this weekend uh, were heavy favorites. Uh, they go in and uh, uh, get the win by one point uh, over the Longhorns, who lost Quinn Ewers uh, in the game fairly early. Uh, it looks like he's going to be out four to six weeks, is, is what the initial reports say. And Texas was leading late. Uh, they had a chance. They, they run a corner blitz, and it looks like they got Bryce Young um, going to sack him on third and long, and, and he escapes. Uh, makes a big gain and, and gets them in field goal, goal position, and they uh, kick a field goal to win the game. But uh, what are your thoughts about that game? That was that was an amazing game, I thought. That was probably the best best game we got all weekend. I know we had some really good ones, and we'll, we'll get to them, but that was probably the best one of the weekend right there. And Man, as, uh, you got to give your hats off to Texas. They gave, they gave Bama all they could handle and, and nearly had them beat. I really thought, you know, I – it's one of those games where you feel like you feel like Texas outplayed Bama the whole game. And 
uh, you know, unfortunately for them, uh, you know, Bama squeaks away with a win uh, right there at the end, getting that game-winning field goal. But uh, Bryce Young's a pretty special guy. You know, he had an off day, and but when when they needed him, he he stepped up and 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 those uh, those last few drives he had, especially that last drive, marching him down the field, getting him in field goal range. Uh, that was a special drive for him right there. But you hate it, you hate to see it if you're Quinn Ewers. Um, I know I you you just mentioning the the four to six weeks I saw. I uh, saw you guys tweeting that out pretty pretty recent. So that that four to six weeks really just kind of came out here as we're broadcasting here on Sunday night about six thirty. So that's a pretty recent update that that we're able to give out right there. But man, you hate it if you're Texas and you give your hats off to the Horns that they they play they gave Alabama all they could handle. But Bama uh, and and Bryce Young really really struggled for most of the day. You know that defense for Texas played really really well. And I thought Hudson Card played well for Texas. I thought he came in there and in relief for, for Ewers and, 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 and played strong. I really thought he played out, outplayed Bryce Young, really thought Hudson Card outplay, outplayed Bryce Young. So you, you give your hats off to the horns right there. They gave them Absolutely. all. And, and where Bryce Young really uh, showed up uh, as a, as a veteran, as a Heisman trophy winner was in that last drive, you know, mm -hmm. late in the fourth quarter, he, he really stepped up and, and um, carried that team and, and, and took them to victory. And which is, you know why he's uh, certainly one of the favorites to win the Heisman again. So uh, hats off to both teams. What a great game uh, that was. And, and I know for the Longhorn fans, it, it didn't turn out the way they wanted, but but certainly uh, for everyone that was was is not uh, a Longhorn fan, uh, they certainly uh, surprised a lot of folks. Um, they are, I believe, ranked number 21 now uh, Longhorns. So uh, they're right, you know, where they want to be, and, and they show that they can play with the big boys. You know, we know that they are. I'll be heading to the SEC and, and they show that they belong there, which was uh, something I think a lot of people had some questions. And, and certainly, you know, I was one uh, before the season was not sold on uh, Sarkeesian. And, and certainly this game, he showed me his uh, ability to game plan and, and prep his team. And, and as you said, able to uh, compete at, at a high level with a backup quarterback, which I think is great. Um, you know, if we move on, you look at number three, Ohio State took care of business as they should have, 45-12 over Arkansas State. Um, Michigan, no problem there, 56-10 over Hawaii. Uh, and then Clemson, 35-12 uh, over Furman. A solid victory, but certainly from, from them wanting to rebound from last year, make a statement, uh, I, I was a little surprised that it was even that close. Uh, but they're right where they need to be. And then we get into number six. Here we go. Texas A&M and Appalachian State. You know, we, you talked about it last week, and, and I know we've talked off air some of that Appalachian State is really, really good. Um, I don't know that I thought that they were this good, um, but they go into College Station and knock off the number six ranked Texas A&M 17-14. Um, obviously, um, they're really well known for their 2007 victory over Michigan. Yeah. Um, and now they this to their resume so uh wow what an outstanding uh, effort by them uh, and i don't know if you saw the post game uh, interview with their coach but uh, extremely emotional and, and really proud of his guys as, as he really should be um what are your thoughts on that game that was certainly uh not one of three upsets in the top 10 uh, but of the you know the highest ranked of the of the three to fall oh yeah yeah appalachian state they can play you know they're one of the best uh one of the one of the best smaller conference teams coming out of the Sun Belt, uh, you know, school out there, North Carolina, smaller school, and like you said, a lot of these uh, Appalachian State kind of really got on the map that, that that victory when they beat Michigan 15 years ago, and you know, it's it, it shows a testament. You know, I think these smaller schools are getting better and better. I think I think the ringleader of that is is Deion Sanders down there at Jackson State. You look at you look at all the players he's able he's recruiting well right now. So these. These smaller schools are not not as far behind as they used to be, and when it comes to talent, they can uh, they can go in there and they can beat some of these teams. I think one of the more impressive things was 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 winning that game on the road. You know, uh, you know, going into Kyle Field, one of the one of the toughest places to go play. You know, you know, you give the Aggies credit there at Kyle Field. They they make a lot of noise and and they defend that 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 home field usually most of the time. But Appalachian State able to go in and win that one on the road and. Wow, this is uh, this one hurts if you're Jimbo right here. You got one of the best recruiting classes out there. Uh, actually, you know what? Uh, for, forgive me. They're 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 still. This past year was the number one. They had the number one recruiting class. So, man, that one stings if you're uh, if you're Jimbo and the Aggies. 
Yeah, let me throw these numbers at you. This is yeah, talk, yeah. talk about that. Yeah, we want to get into those. We were talking about yeah, that. The yeah, the comparison here. So Appalachian State ran 82 plays offensively. The Texas A&M ran 38 plays. Appalachian State had the ball for over 41 minutes, and the Aggies had the ball for 18 and a half minutes. So, I mean, you want to talk about a recipe uh, to, to win a game uh, is to not let not let a high-powered offense ha have the ball very often. And mm -hmm. that's what Appalachian uh, State did. And, and you and I talked off air that it's a little surprising when you look at um, how many plays Appalachian State ran and how long it had the ball that they only scored 17 points, but it was enough as they were able to keep the ball away from that um, high-powered Aggie offense and, and really um, – you know, winning a game, as you said, in a very difficult setting on the road uh, to upset the number six team in the country. And, and wow, that was, uh, those stats uh, really jumped out at me for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I actually, I want to ask you, I wanted to ask you this, you know, you being a, a coach yourself, but how, you know, with the time of possession and everything, it, it's kind of surprising, you know, how, how low scoring of a game it was, you know, with the amount of possessions Appalachian State got only only able to score 17 points. But, man, you give your hats off if, if you had the ball for that long and 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 um, or excuse me, uh, if you're able to run that many plays, only score 17 points and still win. Uh, I noticed that in, in y'all's game on Friday, uh, if, if you've heard us talk on the show, you know, of course, Coach Tripp's, uh, you know, uh, one of, on the coaching staff there, there at Lano High School and uh, talk about that a little bit. How, how how important is time of possession in a game like that, where you know you're the underdog, and uh, and you know you're not you're not the favorite to win, especially on the road. Yeah, that's it's really big because if you can if you can dictate tempo and if you can hold on to the ball, then you know you're giving yourself a chance. Because even if you're you're not scoring as often, even even if the score is low, you are uh, reducing the number of opportunities your opposition has to score. And so then what you're hoping is that by, at the end of the game, maybe you get the ball last and you can run the timeout. Now, mm -hmm. obviously, what a great recipe, but it's, it's so hard to do. And the fact that Appalachian State was able to do that on the road against a extremely talented, you know, on both sides of the ball really speaks to just just how well coached they are and, and, and really the, the culture and the belief they have in themselves. So, um, man, I, I don't think anybody outside of, of, of Appalachian State uh, nation uh, thought that this was possible, uh, although we should have, uh, you know, as we said, they've, they've done it before and they played really well week one. That was a game they thought they, they should have had. And, and uh, this week two, they, they left no doubt and, and won the game. So, and, and, you know, another thing, coach Tripp, you know, we mentioned this last week when we were recapping the A&M and Sam Houston game, you know, A&M didn't, yeah, I know it was a 31 to nothing victory, but they didn't, they didn't just light it up, you know, and, and we've mentioned this too before. We knew Sam Houston last week is a good, one of the best FCS programs out there. You know, a recent national championship winner. Uh, so, so it's not like they were playing some some scrubs or anything. They were playing a good, good Sam Houston team. But, but A and M didn't just completely light it up. You know, they didn't play like the number six team in the nation probably should have played against an FCS school. And you kind of we, you know, we were kind of head scratching a little bit after that, after we were talking about it, because because I know we didn't watch too much of the game. You know, they were in and out, weather delays and everything. And and I know they were they were I think they were playing on the SEC network, so they weren't on one of the major, you know, networks. But but it was a little bit of a head scratch. You know, the stat sheet wasn't lit up. You know, we watched some highlights, but the the stat sheet, Hayden's King didn't really light it up or anything. He had two or three picks, I think, against. Uh, I believe he against, had two, two interceptions. And yeah. And. Uh, I mean, just just didn't really light up the the stat sheet like he thought he would have, and and he's got a lot of high expectations. Haynes King's a good player, and he's going to be a good player for AM in the future. But um, we are kind of head scratching a little bit because you know we didn't get to see much of the game, but but we knew he didn't AM didn't just light things up against a team that you probably thought they should have. Um, and then you know caught up to him last week. You you think AM's probably should should beat Appalachian State, and they laid a goose egg, but. Give your hats off to Appalachian State. Nearly, nearly beat North Carolina week one, and and they were able to march into College Station and do it here in week two. And the Sun Belt, Sun Belt had a good weekend, if I'm not mistaken. I think I saw a stat somewhere. Did the, the were there three were there three Sun Belt schools playing? Um, because um, I well Marshall Marshall's Sun Belt. They right. already, we talked about them beating Northern. I think Sun Belt went three and zero. This past week against ranked teams, so I'll do. I'll look that up real fast. Let me. Let me okay. Look well, while you're looking that up, uh, let's bring up the other game. The the, the next uh, domino to fall in the top ten was Notre Dame. 
And, you know, on Saturday, uh, I was at work and we were, you know, looking over film from our Friday night game. And mm-hmm. uh, one of the other coaches uh, asked, you know, who does Notre Dame have, knowing that, that I'm a big Notre Dame fan. And I said, oh, I think it's Marshall. So that, that certainly should be uh, get us on the winning track after, uh, you know, the loss to Ohio State. And uh, sure enough, you know, come home, watch that game, and, and it does not go to plan. You know, I thought after week one, uh, I felt good about Notre Dame's defensive performance against Ohio State. I was a little concerned about their offensive performance because really other than kind of that first drive, they didn't do much. But uh, I chalked a lot of that up to the Ohio State defense. And, you know, Tommy Reese, offense coordinator Tommy Reese from Notre Dame, caught some flack after that uh, game. And, and I dismissed that, thought, man, you're, you're going up against – Ohio State, you know, that it's going to be tough to move the ball and score. Uh, and then they follow that up uh, with scoring 21 points at home uh, against unranked Marshall, um, mm-hmm. who, I mean, was 1-0 coming in. They're now 2-0, and uh, but it's certainly not what we expected. And as you look at some of the stats, um, Ty Buckner, uh, Tyler Buckner, quarterback for Notre Dame, 18-32, um, 200 yards, zero TDs, and two interceptions. Mm-hmm. And then the backup, uh, Drew Pine, came in, and he was three of six for 20 yards, uh, one TD, one interception, whereas uh, Henry Columbi from Marshall, uh, 16 to 21, much more efficient, 145 yards, and one TD. Um, so, you know, he was much more efficient. Their offense was much more efficient. Um, you know, Notre Dame had a, had a chance uh, late to go down and maybe take the lead or, you know, get, get, get them back in the game. They throw a pick six late which basically iced the game. Um, you know, you look at uh, r- rushing yards uh, total. Notre Dame ran the ball. This is Notre Dame, 130 uh, yards and 37 carries, where Marshall had 219 uh, 50 on uh, 50 carries. Um, you know, every facet offensively, uh, receiving-wise, Notre Dame had 220 yards, um, and, and while Marshall had 145. Um, the big thing was turnovers. Um that uh, I want to say two interceptions um, for Notre Dame. And so really they, they just, I don't know if it's, they were unfocused, a letdown after Ohio State. I, I did see something on ESPN, some people talking that uh, Notre Dame was focused all off season on game number one, which was Ohio State. They go in and that ends. Whereas Marshall, probably the biggest game on their schedule with Notre Dame. But look, it doesn't matter. I mean, Notre Dame, if they want to be taken seriously, they need to win the games like this that they scheduled that they that they're supposed to. And this wasn't where Notre Dame was on the road. The Notre Dame's at home. Um, clearly, you know they've got um, uh, bigger budgets. You know, um, able to attract um, higher star recruits, and they just did not get the job done. And you know, uh, now I think that there may be some some. Uh, pressure uh, on Tommy Reese after that. You know, Marcus Freeman is the first Notre Dame coach to start 0-3. Going, you know, mm-hmm. if you look go back to his, his bowl game last year, uh, obviously the loss to Ohio State is, is, is wouldn't be that concerning, but this game is. Now he's 0-3. Um, offense, at least in these two two games, has been uh, anemic at best. Uh, and as Jamie pointed out, our, our commenter, they're in a hole and, and – I mean, it's not going to get any easier for them. You know, this this should have been uh, – you would have thought this would have been the game to to get them back on track, uh, maybe have a big win, get them feeling – get themselves feeling good about uh, where they're at, and, and instead they go out and, and get beat at home. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on on this game, and what does it mean for, for Notre Dame? Well, what it means for Notre Dame is, I mean, they've got to get that offense together, and, and – and, you know, I love Marcus Freeman to death. I think he's a great, great coach. I think he's going to be at Notre Dame for a long time. I think they really like him. I think he's got the support of of the alumni, of the boosters and everything. So I I don't think he's necessarily in any trouble right now, even though he started off 0-3. But they've, they've got to get that offense figured out. I mean, it's, you know, Marcus Freeman had a little bit of a, you know, in the past when when he's just a coordinator, you know, he he's not going to be, looked under he's not gonna be under scrutiny very much you know because you know now he's the head guy he's the head coach they're they're gonna be asking him for for answers and he's got to answer that he's got that defense the defense is fine for Notre Dame I mean you only give up 21 to Ohio State one of the best offenses in the nation and you only give up 26 to to Marshall um I mean that's 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 doing your job this this day and era in in college football uh you know 
giving up giving up that little points. You're doing your, your job on the defensive side of the ball, allowing that. But that offense has got to get something going. I mean, I mean, Buckner just has proved so far that he he just hasn't been great. And then you bring in the backup right here. Uh, Drew Pine came in and and was given an opportunity and just just didn't make anything happen there. Threw a pick late in the game that really just iced it. And um, you know, 100 130 yards on 37 carries. That's just you know that's that's a three and a half yard per carry average. That's just that's just not going to cut it. I mean, that's not that's not very good right there. Um, and you look at the amount of ball carriers they had. Uh, it wasn't just a few guys rushing for 130 yards. It was it was seven or eight guys that were rushing. So. It's it's concerning if you're you're you got to be a little bit concerned. Give your hats off to to Henry Columbia and and Marshall. You know, uh, Columbia's a you know he's been there at the big time level. He's you know he's a transfer in from Texas Tech. Uh, had a had a pretty solid career. Got got beat up and injured at Tech and things didn't really work out for him. But he's played in some big games up there in Lubbock. So uh, not necessarily surprised that he played well there for Marshall. Uh, he knows what it takes to win, but. Man, if you're Notre Dame, you're 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 probably you're scratching your head. You're you're a little bit concerned about this offense right here. Absolutely. All right, so let's move on now to the number going into the weekend, the number nine team in the nation, the Baylor Bears. Um, they they went on the road to BYU and uh, end up losing a tough one there, twenty six to twenty. Um, there was all kind of special teams issues there with with Baylor having an opportunity to win at missing and. And BYU missing a kick, and, and, and eventually uh, BYU uh, wins it uh, in overtime with the field goal. Uh, but again, Baylor, that, that's the third top 10 team to go down this weekend. Um, you know, what are your thoughts about uh, this game? Obviously, you know, I, I would say if you if you were given going into this weekend, one of these teams is, is in danger of losing, and you said Baylor to BYU, Notre Dame to Marshall, <laughs> or Texas A&M to um, Appalachian State. I think most of us would have would have picked the Baylor one. Yeah. BYU was was in the top twenty five, I believe, going in. So uh, you know this isn't a huge upset, other than uh, it's it's a blow to um, Baylor's uh, maybe playoff aspirations because we've talked as we talked in the past. Uh, you know the Big Twelve right now is 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 already kind of on the outside looking in, so they've kind of got to be perfect to to really get some consideration and this loss may hurt. Um, but other than that, you know, what are your thoughts on this? Any, any concern on the, on the Baylor side? Um, you know, this was kind of a strange game because you, you give your hats off to both these teams. You want to schedule each other. Um, you know, they, they, they played last year and they, you know, obviously played again this year and um, you know, I'm not too upset. I, I mean, I'm not, a, I don't have any, any Baylor ties anymore, but, um, but you know, your Baylor, you're not a, you're, I don't think you're necessarily too concerned with this win or the, with this loss. Uh, you went into, uh, you went up to Provo, uh, Utah. And I mean, it's a tough place to play. I mean, BYU's, BYU's not an easy place to play up there. Uh, and, and BYU's a, a very respectable program. You know, they're in the top 25. I think the Big 12's excited to bring them in. So this is not necessarily, it's not really a bad loss for Baylor, but it might be a bad loss for the conference. Um, because Baylor was was one of your top dogs that that's really got a had a chance, you know. I think I think three teams after this last after this latest poll probably more down to two now, but three teams really had a chance to be kind of right there on the edge of getting in the college football playoff. And talking about Baylor, Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma, um, Baylor probably losing and falling in the polls. It's it's going to hurt them quite a bit. Baylor fell all the way down to, to 17 in the AP poll, but um, right. it's not, it's not really a bad loss. It's a, it's, it's probably a loss that Baylor really couldn't afford if they wanted to get into the college football playoff. Um, I think, you know, it's, it, it was already hard enough for the big 12 to really get a team in, but now it's going to be a really uphill climb for Baylor to get in. Uh, I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad loss um, on paper, but you just look at how it, how it ended you know, Baylor had their chances to win this game, and that would have been a good win for him if they could have could have won on the road. But you definitely, if you're Dave Aranda and you're the Bears, you kind of you're kind of disappointed in how it ended because you had you had a good chance to win this game in regulation. Right now, the difference between this loss and and A and M and Notre Dame's losses is, is is there's two of them. One is um, they lost to a ranked team, mm-hmm. okay? so certainly Baylor should have been the, the favorite, being number nine. 
um, but neither Appalachian State nor Marshall were ranked. And the other thing is is Notre Dame and Texas A&M were both at home, whereas yeah. Baylor was on the road. So uh, other than than three top ten teams losing, I think the, the similarities kind of stopped there. Um, I think it's uh, certainly more um, tolerable uh, the way Baylor lost than than A and M and Notre Dame. And Baylor and and Baylor's another team that's kind of it's really not fair to them. Baylor kind of coming into this year was a little bit of an afterthought. Um, you know, they were a top ten team coming into the year, but nobody's really nobody's really thinking about them. I mean, I was even guilty that you know when I was when we were giving our predictions to start the year, I overlooked Baylor. Um, I know they played in the Big Twelve Championship last year and made it to a. I, believe, I think they won the Sugar Bowl last year against – I know they played Ole Miss, but I think it was a Sugar Bowl. So this was a team that came in a little bit disrespected, in my opinion. Maybe not disrespected, but overlooked. You know, I picked Oklahoma State to win the conference. Uh, I think a lot of people probably picked Oklahoma State and Oklahoma to both finish ahead of Baylor. But Baylor wasn't getting much love, I think. And I, I think they're probably I, – I, that's why I think I think that's part of the reason why this game is probably not – you know, they're not getting the backlash that like Notre Dame, that a and getting uh, maybe because a lot of teams, a lot of people probably didn't even realize Baylor was a top 10 team. Um, right. They're just kind of, no, no one probably really knew if you're, if you're just a casual fan, I know you and I knew wh- where they were, where they stood in the rankings. Um, they were the best big 12 team ranking wise. Um, but they're kind of, they were kind of a team that probably nobody really thought about. Nobody really was thinking about and, um, so I think that's why they're probably also a little bit kind of lo- overlooked a little bit. This loss is going to be overlooked a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's, it's maybe a team that was maybe came in a little bit overranked, but, um, but they're still a solid program and it's not, it's not a, it's not a killing loss that they lost on the road at BYU. All right. So I'm going to throw out some teams to you and, and, um, you pick, uh, of the teams I list, which one of these, uh, would you predict based on what you've seen so far? Uh, maybe have a shot to um, put themselves in position contention uh, for the college playoffs. Okay. Uh, all right. So uh, I'm going to say uh, USC, Oklahoma, Kentucky, and Arkansas. Those those teams. The reason I bring those up is they none of those teams um, I think were predicted to necessarily um, maybe Oklahoma uh, win uh, win their conference uh, and certainly. Uh, probably none of those um, uh, people thought that they were good enough to be in the national conversation. We're only two mm-hmm. games in for most of these teams, um, but but all those teams are ranked um, in the top ten. Um, who do you like uh, at the end of the season to, to, of those teams to be in the best position to at least be in that conversation? Give me, give me the. It, you've got Oklahoma, USC, and what were the other two? Uh, Kentucky and Arkansas. Ooh. Okay. You know, I've got I've got my Arkansas ties and everything. Uh, you know, I love the pigs, but it's I, I I think I'm gonna have to end up throwing them out of the mix. I think I think Sam Pittman's doing a heck of a job. KJ Jefferson's doing a heck of a job. That's a good football team. Arkansas is a very good football team. The only problem that they're gonna run into is their strength of schedule. They're in the they're in the daunting they're in the daunting side of the SEC. They're in that SEC West. They're gonna have to go through Bama. They're gonna have to go through Ole Miss. They're gonna have to go. I still think AM's a still very respectful program. They're gonna have to go through an AM. They're they're gonna have to go through some teams in that SEC West that's really gonna that's gonna give them trouble. Um now this you know, is bad. they did win nine games last year. So. they did. They did. They're they're a good football team and KJ Jefferson's the real deal, but um, but 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 to answer your question, I, I don't know if they're I don't you know, nine wins is not gonna get you ten wins might is not even gonna get you in the college football playoff. Um you know, I, I I'm big on Kentucky. I'm not as big at a, big on them as you are. Um, I, I love I love the confidence you have in them because I think I think they're a good team. They proved it this last week. I think Slovis is a really good quarterback there. Um, they're a team that if they can continue, um, you know, they're gonna they're a team right here. Uh, their schedule is gonna allow them to to keep continue moving up. Um, you know, and they've played some good, really good football here. You know, a good win over in Gainesville. Uh, and, you know, they've moved, they moved up 11 spots to number nine in the polls. So they, they have really put themselves in, in good position um, to, to make some noise over there in that SEC East. The thing that they've gotten going for them is kind of the opposite of what Arkansas's got. 
they've got they've got the now I'm not saying they've got an easy schedule by any means, but they've got an easier path to get to the college football playoff. And, it, and, and it's almost like it's the lesser of two evils. Um, they've still got a tough schedule being in that SEC, that SEC East. But I think they've got a much easier path. They've got some good opponents that can really strengthen their uh, that can really help their their strength of schedule. They go to Tennessee. That's not going to be an easy one. They they go to Tennessee on the road in late October. Um, that can really strengthen their schedule. They got to go to Ole Miss here in a few weeks uh, to start off October. And then and then one thing that they've really got going for them that and it's going to come down. It's at the end of the season. That's that is yep. that is that game that the game at home against Georgia. They get they get. The- Oh, go ahead. If, if no, I was going to say if, if if Kentucky's still undefeated or if they've still got one loss going into that Georgia game, that Georgia game is going to be fun to watch. It's it they're going to be there. Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky is going to be rocking there. It's going to be a fun one right there, and, it, and it's going to have a lot of implications if both of those teams are undefeated. So I think Kentucky. I'm kind of playing the process of elimination right here. I think Kentucky, uh, Arkansas's out. I don't think they're going to be able to get in that college football playoff. I think Kentucky has. A lot of things going for them. Kentucky's got got a much easier path. They but and they still got some some games that can really get them up from nine to maybe to that top four spot. Um, so I don't want to eliminate Kentucky quite yet. The team that's really start off the season really well is USC. I think USC's put themselves in a uh, in a good position. Uh, you look at USC. They've got they took care of business against a team they should have in Week One in Rice, and then they they went up to they went to Stanford and, and picked up a, a very uh, convincing win on the road, 41 to 28 on the road. Good win for Caleb Williams and company. Williams looked looked really good. Um, and and I'm going to roll, I think, with, I think, to answer your question, and I'll go through Oklahoma and, and talk about them. I think USC is probably going to be my answer now. I, it's kind of weird because a week ago, two weeks ago, we weren't given, we weren't given the Pac-12 any credit. You know, we were saying there's no team that was probably going to get in. If there was a team that was going to get in, it was probably going to be Utah. And now Utah's shot themselves in the foot. Um, and <laughs> I feel like with the Pac-12, it's it's a week by week basis. There, you don't know what's going to happen each week. But I think to answer your question, I really like what USC's got going. They don't play a tough schedule. The only ranked team as of right now that they've got is they on October uh, October 15th. They still have to go up to Utah, and that's going to be a tough one against the Utes. Um, you know, Utah is still a good team, and, and they've got to play them on the road. But to answer your question, I think, I think, uh, I think USC is the team I'm feeling the most the most confident about out of that four. Um, you look at Oklahoma, um, pulling up their schedule right here. I'm still not necessarily all convinced about the Sooners. Um, you know, Brent Venables has still got a little bit to prove with Oklahoma. Um, looking at their schedule right here, um, Oklahoma, Norman, Oklahoma is a tough place to play. I don't, I don't care how good or bad Oklahoma is. But uh, Oklahoma still got a few teams they've got to go through. They they've got to go. To, they they host Texas. Obviously, that's a neutral site game in, in Dallas. That's not going to be an easy one. Texas proved that th- that this week. Um, they get Baylor at home later in the season, uh, and then they get Bedlam at home against Oklahoma State. But they've got some they've got some games here on the road that are going to be tough for them. They got to go up to Morgantown, West Virginia. Uh, they've got to they've got to play Tech later in the season in Lubbock. So I, I still think I still think Oklahoma's got a little bit of a tough schedule, but. Um, out of those four teams, I've done a lot of talking. I'll shut up. Uh, I think SC is probably SC has got SC's put themselves in a good spot. They're number seven in the, in the AP polls. Now I know that's different than the College Football Committee. The committee can rank them totally different how they want. But SC has got a very favorable schedule going the rest of the way, um, and 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 they've put themselves in a good position at number seven. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you uh, a little bit to some extent. I, I really think that. Um, USC is is really ahead of where I expected them to be. I knew with Lincoln Riley, with with Williams, Jordan Addison, I knew that they were going to be really good, but I thought they were a year away. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, they're two games in, and, and these are two games they should have won, but they handled their business, um, and and that offense is is really rolling. So I definitely think that that they are a a a threat um, potentially if they can take care of business. You know, this this looks like based off of Two weeks. This looks like the the year that they'll they'll break the the losing streak to Notre Dame as well. Um, so I think they've got a good shot. I'm still gonna go. I'm still gonna roll with Kentucky. And you mentioned it. I think it's gonna come down to that Georgia game. Uh, and I think, you know, I think uh, Levis right now is 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 
playing as He's well as any quarterback out there. I mean, he threw a ball uh, for a touchdown um, uh, to Key, I believe, yesterday for in the air for 60 yards. I mean, he is <laughs> he is pro ready right now, um, and uh, I think that they've got some unfinished business, at least in their mind, from from last year. And, and um, you know, we saw that uh, Stoops broke um, Bear Bryant's uh, wins record at Kentucky yes with a win yesterday. So a lot of good things going on there, uh, and I'm really excited to see how that all unfolds. So. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I love the. I love. I love. I think those were four good teams you threw out there. Um, Kentucky, Kentucky's got the thing. Kentucky's got going for them is they're a good football team and they've got the. They've got a really good strength of schedule, so they've got good opportunities to move up in the rankings. Uh, SC uh, has put themselves at number seven in a good spot, and they don't have a necessarily tough schedule. So SC's got that going for them as well that they 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 might run the table. So. Good opportunities for both those teams right there. Absolutely. Uh, before we get into the uh, overreaction uh, Sunday, I want to talk about uh, throw out a few games for week three that uh, I'd like to get your input on. Um, the first is going to be um, University of Texas San Antonio traveling to Austin, 7 p.m. game in Austin. Um, bo both game, both teams uh, one and one. What do you what do you expect to see from that game? And is this a trap game for the Texas Longhorns coming off a very emotional uh, loss to Alabama where they played really well, probably above expectations, lost their quarterback. Uh, UTSA is coming uh, off of two overtime games. One, uh, one was a triple overtime game. They lost to Houston, and then um, they won against Army uh, yesterday. What are your thoughts about this game, and is it a trap game for uh, Texas? I think it's I think it's definitely a trap game for Texas. Um, you hate to say this, and, and and I mean this all with all due respect. Um, the best possible outcome probably happened for for UTSA to go in there and get an upset win in Austin next week. Um, you picked up a good win against a good Army team, but Texas Texas really got beat up against Alabama. Texas played really well um, on paper. Texas is probably the better football team, but but but. But UTSA has got a lot going for them in 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 how Texas the toll they took against Alabama they they really got beat up it was a physical game um, you got to think their offensive guys you know Bijan Robinson had a good game Xavier Worthy had a good game but those guys took some licks against Alabama and um, like I said like I, I was going to say this a second ago um, the probably the best possible thing happened for UTSA and, and and I mean this with all due respect I you know you you wouldn't I don't wish an injury upon anybody but but you Texas loses loses a very good player in Quinn Ewers their their quarterback so you know that's one less thing that UTSA has got to worry about that being said though Hudson Card did go in the game and I was very impressed um with how he played I thought Hudson Card uh handled the pressure well com his composure is really well against a against a fantastic Alabama defense um but it's absolutely a trap game. UTSA is a good football team, um, and Texas knows that. Texas is going to know how good UTSA is. Uh, UTSA is a, a, a two-point conversion away from being 2-0 and probably ranked. Uh, UTSA would probably be ranked if they'd be 2-0. Um, it's a trap game. It really is. UTSA has got a very good chance, a very good chance going here and win this game. Uh, you catch, you know, this happens all the time in sports. doesn't matter what it is, basketball, football, baseball, whatever it may be. You get a team that comes off a great performance, um, and, and you know, Notre Dame did it. Notre Dame had a good week one against Ohio State, and they lay, lay a goose egg the next week. You know, if you're Texas, you, if you're uh, Coach Sarkeesian, you gotta, you got to, you know, drill that in your players' heads. Like, guys, you know, I know we played great this past week. We, we can't just show up against UTSA and expect to win. Um, that happens a lot of times in sports. You get teams who, who – get an upset victory or they play a really good game and then next week just don't show up. Uh, if Texas doesn't show up against UTSA, they'll lose. They will. And really, I, I think that UTSA, the X factor is quarterback Frank Harris, and he's got that trio of receivers he's so comfortable with, with Franklin and DeCorian Clark and, and Joshua Cephas. Uh, so I think, um, you know, again, kind of like we talked about, this is a game that probably UTSA is, is, has had on their schedule uh, or, or circled uh, on their calendar for a long time, whereas long for Texas Longhorns, it was obviously the Alabama game. So I agree it's a trap game. 
I think it's going to be a really uh, fun game, great atmosphere. And if UTSA can pull off this upset, uh, what a huge uh, victory for them uh, to really to thrust them uh, back into national prominence. You know, they had a great year last year. Um, not everybody was kind of aware of it. And then they come in this year. And so this would be, a, I think, a statement game for this season uh, if they can pull that win. Um, the next game. I was going to say, Trent, I was going to say, Frank Harris has played great this year. You know, he lost a lot. The run game for UTSA has not been very good this year. Um, other than him scrambling, you know, him scrambling and running is is something that he's he's good at. Uh, that's been fine, but the actual run game, designed runs, has not been good for UTSA like it has been in years past. Frank Harris has been playing amazing. He's he's averaging almost 350 yards in the air through two games. So um, I really think I I. Th- this game was in. If this game was in San Antonio, uh, it would be, it it would be a dogfight, and I think it's going to be a good game in Austin either way. But if this game was in San Antonio, I, it'd be a, it'd be an interesting, it'd be really interesting to see which way it would go. But, um, but yeah, it being in Austin helps a lot. You know, the the crowd's going to be fired up after last week, how well they played against Bama. So it's still going to be a tough one for for UTSA to go in there and win. But but Texas cannot uh, take UTSA lightly. Okay. And then the other one is going to be Texas A&M uh, in Miami. Um, Miami sitting at number 15. Um, you know, Texas A&M obviously coming off of, of uh, a loss to Appalachian State. Um, what are your thoughts on this game? This is one I think is really interesting. Um, I got to pick Miami in this game. Um, you know, unfortunately, this happens in sports too. I think Texas A&M probably just got the life taken out of them. Um, you know, you're you're a you're the number six ranked team in the nation, and to lose like that, I mean that. Uh, I mean, I, I you know I don't you know A&M still got a lot to play for, um, but that loss right there essentially knocked them out of any any uh, any chance of making the college football playoff. Um, A&M's not going to get in even even if they run the table. I don't I don't think eleven and one with a loss, and and, and we're and we're. You know, we've been giving a lot of credit to Appalachian State. Give your hats off to them. They've they've played two really good games so far this year. Um, but but A and M A and M. I think this is one of those games. A and M's probably got the life taken out of them. Uh, I can see them just just not showing up in this game. And I, I think Miami's going to probably win this one. Okay, um, it should be an, a really good game to watch. We'll see how that unfolds. Obviously, AM, if, if they want any chance, uh, they've got to win this game. And obviously, Miami is, is, is playing really well, sitting, I believe, at number 15. Um, so this is uh, could be a really good game. And A&M, right. I mean, AM still got a lot to play for. I mean, they do. I mean, AM, I mean, I mean, they're still a good football team. And they and and that wasn't a conference loss. I mean, that's the thing they've got going for them. I mean, they're, you know, still sitting t- T1, T1, T1st. They're at the top of the SEC West. So they're right. uh, they still got a lot to play for. All right, so throw it to us, T Mac. Let's let's uh, talk about overreaction Sunday. What are some some thoughts you have about overreaction or, or or appropriate reaction? What do you got for us? All right, all right. Overreaction Sunday. We'll get right into it. I've got uh, six talking points tonight. And Coach Trip, you're more than welcome to throw in any overreactions, uh, overreaction possibilities that you uh, that you may have on the side as well. But We'll start off with this one. We actually haven't mentioned this tonight because it just recently happened. Um, we probably, I probably should have mentioned this at the beginning of the show, as it's kind of still, still fresh, uh, fresh breaking news. But uh, anybody that's watching live, if you've uh, been keeping up on social media, all, all the news outlets, you've just noticed that uh, Nebraska has let go of uh, Scott Frost in um, coach, you know, four seasons uh, in his fourth season at Nebraska. Um, you know, obviously a former player for the Cornhuskers back in the 90s. Uh, they uh, went ahead and fired. Uh, Nebraska went ahead and fired and relieved uh, Scott Frost of his duties. Um, I think out of respect, you know, they they, they went ahead and ripped the Band-Aid off. They, you know, uh, he's still going to get paid, I believe, $15 million for his buyout. Um, I think if they waited until October 1st, it would have gone down by half. If I'm, right. if I'm, is that right? Okay. Yeah. Right. If they would have waited a few more weeks to, to let him go, uh, they could have saved them seven and a half million dollars. But uh, that just shows you the respect that, that Nebraska has for, for one of its former uh, uh, fantastic players and the, the, the respect they've got for, for Scott Frost. But is an overreaction through two games, Coach Tripp, that Scott Frost has been let go? Uh, it is, it is not an overreaction. Um, 
And I think they've got three games because I think they had that Northwestern game. You're right, you're right. Um, but it is not an overreaction. You know, I think after that game that, you know, there's already some some questions coming into the season. He had some questionable um, strategy, you know, going with the um, onside kick when they were up. And I think, um, you know, they, 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 they wanted him to be successful. They hoped he would be successful. But ultimately, um, you know, it, it became time. And, and look, he's proven that, that he knows how to coach. Look how successful he was at Central Florida. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, if you look back, this may not be the worst thing for him because you look at um, kind of what happened with, with Lane Kiffin and, and Sarkeesian where they struggled a little bit as a head coach. They went and, and, and got mentored. Uh, for them, it was with Nick Saban um, and learn, learned um, how to be a head coach and, and um and came back and are both successful. So I think this is not an end to his head coaching career, uh, maybe just a, a detour. And I do not think it was an overreaction. I think it was the right move. No, I, you, you hit the nail on the head right there. I think, I think Scott Frost is a good, is a good coach. I think he's a good football mind. Um, like you, you brought up central Florida before. I, I love that story from them a few years ago. I think it was, it was, it was really neat them going undefeated and claiming the national uh, championship status. I thought that was, you know, he's a, he's a good football coach. He's a good football mind. He, he he's going to get another opportunity at another school. Uh, I think the bottom line is um, I, I, I'm not, a, I'm not the big, I don't think it's an overreaction that he got fired. I'm just not, I, okay. So yeah, I'm not going to change the rules of the game. I don't, I, I, I don't think it's an overreaction. I think, uh, you know, Frost probably had it coming 16 and, in 31 in his, he, he actually, it was his fifth season. He had coached four full seasons. So he was in year number five. Um, I don't think it's an overreaction. I just don't necessarily like the timing of it. Um, I, I mean, I mean, two, two, three games in the season, that's just too early to, to, to get rid of coach, you know, you know, after, after losing or, or through three weeks, if you're, if you're how success, you can get a reading on how successful your team's going to be. Um, Nebraska probably not going to make a bowl game, you know, three and nine last year. Um, you know, it's it's just it's just I'm just not a fan of the timing of it. Um, you know, let him coach a few more weeks, see if he can at least kind of steer the ship and play a little bit of damage control. Maybe he could get back to 500. But um, I, I I don't I you know he he had a long leash. Um, and and you know I think I like to bring up this in the past too. I think kind of like how Texas Tech and Cliff Kingsbury had to break up. Um, Texas Tech didn't want to do that. Uh, I mean, they love Cliff Kingsbury. Texas Tech fans, alumni, former players. Just love Cliff Kingsbury. He's a legend at Texas Tech. He always will be. Um, and I think Scott Frost the same way. They did. Nebraska didn't want to have to do this. They didn't want to have to to get rid of one of their own. Um, a, a wonderful football mind in Scott Frost. But I don't. I don't think it's an overreaction. Just I'm not a fan of the timing of it. So that's me right there. Um, I think, like you said, I think he'll get another coaching opportunity um, some point down the road. Maybe maybe he'll go. Maybe we'll go uh, go work for Saban for a year and get get a. That seems to work for, for his assistance. All right, we'll move on back to the state of Texas. And Coach Tripp, this doesn't necessarily have to just uh, reflect off this season right here. This can reflect off the future as well. Is Jimbo Fisher, not, not Jimbo Fisher himself, is Texas A&M and their future in trouble? I think after, that's after, after, okay, after a loss like this being high, such highly ranked. Uh, I think that um, th the idea that they are in trouble is an overreaction. Look, I think it's a very concerning loss for them, but I think they they are too talented, both uh, with the coaching staff and the players they have, that this uh, will that they'll be in trouble. Now, look, did it derail their their hopes for an undefeated season and and a trip to the playoffs? Well, for sure, the undefeated season. You know, they do have, like you said, if they can run the table here and and, and win the SEC, you know, they put themselves uh, back in it. Uh, I don't know that that will happen, but I don't think uh, that this loss means that they're in trouble. I think it means that uh, somebody, somebody, something's got to happen to get their attention, to realize, like, look, it doesn't matter how talent, how much talent you have. Uh, if you're not prepared mentally, physically, whether that's from the coaching, whether that's from the players, you can get beat on, on any given Saturday. So I don't think they're in trouble. I think it's a wake-up call that they probably needed. Um, I'm not sure that, uh, you know, the, the ranking that they came in with 
was uh, necessarily appropriate. They, they, you know, and, and so maybe that that uh, uh, lulled them into some complacency. But I think it's a wake up call. But I don't think they're in trouble. I think this is one of the few times that we actually are going to disagree on uh, the, these overreactions. Um, I, 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 uh, I guess the original talking point is A and M is in trouble. Um, so you're saying you don't think they're in trouble. Um, I, so, so I get, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to technically say, no, um, I don't think this is an overreaction because I think A&M is in a little bit of trouble right here. Um, and, you know, Jimbo, correct me here, Jimbo in year four, year three, year four, it's, it's, it's something like that. Um, don't know off the top of my head, but you know, I mean, Jimbo's Jimbo. I mean, I don't think he's on the hot seat by no means is he on the hot seat. Um, you know, he just signed an extension, but I, I'm a little concerned for AM right here because you got one of your best rankings, um, probably since you know, since the Johnny Manziel era. Um, you got one of your best rank. You came in at number six and you lost a game that you shouldn't have. I'm a little concerned for their future. Um, you know, if if you know, in like I said, you know, it's it's one game. Appalachian State's playing some good football right now. Um, AM AM still got has still has a lot to play for. So by no means am I saying that they're just they're just done for. But I'm a little concerned for AM right now. Um, you know, I feel like I feel like the, I don't want to say time's running out, but I gotta you gotta think some of these some of these fans, some of these alumni, some of these donors, some of these members of the athletic department starting to get a little impatient with uh with with the status of the football program. You know, Jimbo's a Jimbo's a great coach. And and he's going to have AM, you know, at, up at the top of the SEC most years. But you know, AM right now is built to be a national championship contender, a college football playoff contender. They're a team that needs to be right there on the edge of being in that in that college football playoff, whether or not they make it or not. And I'm a little bit concerned um, with how the rest of this year could could pan out. Um, I'm a little bit concerned with with the recruiting class, how how well how good of a recruiting class they have. Uh, this year and how, how good of recruiting classes they have in years years in the future um that something like this you know i don't think necessarily this one loss is 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 something to be concerned about but i'm concerned that this loss can can cause a domino effect so i'm a little bit concerned for AM right now and we'll see if jimbo can get it figured out moving on to the next talking point coach trip you're the Notre dame expert is it uh, overreaction or not Notre Dame will be lucky to win eight games this season. Oh, absolutely not an overreaction. If Notre Dame can win eight games, uh, I think at this point um, they'd be thrilled with that. You know, they, they came in with sky-high expectations. Uh, obviously, they've got Marcus Freeman, who who kind of won the uh, offseason with, with recruiting and, and got the fan base and the alumni and the team uh, very excited about what was to come. And uh, two games in, they're they're zero and two. Uh, the offense is not doing anything. They still got USC on the schedule. I mean, they they they're uh, if they could win eight games, I think that would at least maybe salvage the season from an zero and two start. But uh, I'm not sure that they that they win eight games. I'm not sure that they make a bowl game. And um, I think it's it's not an overreaction. And I think that. Uh, this is uh, got to be very concerning for for Notre Dame fans to have this much talent um, and, and be um, this this far back. And so, you know, their biggest offensive weapon is is their tight end, which mm-hmm. um, you know, you're a D one school, you're you're Notre Dame, you should be able to go out and get uh, you know you know top tier receivers if you want them. And and no, it is not an overreaction. And and, and I don't even th- I don't even think they'll win eight games. Wow. Yeah, um, I agree with you there. I, I don't think it's an overreaction that uh, they'll be lucky to win eight games. They're um, put themselves in a bad hole, um, you know. And we talked about this last week after losing to Ohio State. The one thing that they kind of had going for them is, you know, we were we were uh, mentioning this about Kentucky a second ago. Uh, Notre Dame had some really game good games on the schedule left for them that that they could make up ground on. You know, I think I think uh, Notre Dame. Has still has three. I know they get USC and Clemson. I, I think they've got total a, a total of three more ranked opponents to play um, that could could have really boosted and helped them. Uh, you know, because I because you know after last week we thought, hey, you know, Notre Dame one loss 
uh, could still get in. Um, but, you know, they're definitely not going to get in now. But uh, I, I thought they had a favorable schedule going for them. But, heck, it might not be very favorable anymore. They might, you know, those those three ranked opponents they've got down the road, that just might just might be marking those for three more losses that could add to the schedule. But um, So we'll move on. Next one right here, Coach Tripp, after Oklahoma picking up a good win – or, excuse me, Oklahoma State picking up a good win and Baylor losing, is Oklahoma State – it is, a, is it an overreaction or not that Oklahoma State is the best team in the Big 12? Because mm. I'm a little bit more – I'm a little bit bigger on Oklahoma State than you are. Right. So I'm going to say it is an overreaction, uh, at least this early. And, uh, look, I'd be, I'd be thrilled if, if, they, if they end up winning it. But, um, look, Texas, um, you know, showed, showed some grit against, you know, against Alabama – uh, Oklahoma is still Oklahoma. So um, I'm going to say it's an overreaction. It is not uh, outlandish or out of the realm of possibilities, but I would say after, after these uh, first two weeks, to me, that would be an overreaction. Um, you know, I, I think it's probably a little bit of an overreaction as well. Um, that being said, you know, I'm pretty big on Oklahoma State. I think they I think they are the best team in the Big 12, but I think it's a little bit of an overreaction to maybe just make that as a bold statement like I've been doing in the past. Um, so I'm a little 50-50 on it. I uh, you know, I really like Spencer Sanders there at Oklahoma State. I think he's going to be he's going to be in New York later in the season for the Heisman um, ceremony. I think he'll be one of those top 5 guys. He's 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 a he can sling the ball around. He can run really well. I think he's he's probably the best quarterback in the Big Twelve um, as of right now. You know, unfortunately, uh, we didn't get to see much of Quinn Ewers, and we're going to miss him for a few weeks. Um, but I, I I think Oklahoma. I think it might be a little bit of an overreaction to just boldly state that they're the they're the best team because Oklahoma's right there. I mean, Oklahoma. You know, Oklahoma's ranked ahead of them. I mean, for crying out loud. So really, they're not the best team in the Big Twelve. And Texas really proved. Um, that they deserve to be in it. So um, maybe go with a little bit of an overreaction. Might have to back off my statement just a tad, tad bit that I think they're they're far and beyond the best team in the Big 12. Um, we'll keep it on the Big 12 right here for the future. Do you think Coach Tripp is in – and this, this is maybe not the best best talking point right here, but we'll go through it anyway. Are Houston – is an overreaction or not that Houston and BYU are going to fit perfect in the Big 12 here in a few years? Um, no, I do not think that's an overreaction. I think uh, both those teams uh, have, have shown that they can kind of play with, with anybody. Obviously, BYU, um, you know, beating Baylor, you know, being mm -hmm. a Big 12 team shows that, that they can play. You know, BYU, uh, it, you know, winning it last year. And then Houston, you know, they're, they're in the top 25. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I do not think that's an overreaction. I think that they definitely can. They're both really well coached. They're, they're both – um, very fundamental and, and they can play with, with anybody. It doesn't mean that they're, you know, going to go in and necessarily win it, but they're not going to be, uh, they're not going to be shell shocked. They're not going to get blown out every week. They're going to, mm -hmm. they're going to be legitimate contenders. Now I, I, I've got to agree with you as well. I think, I think Houston's probably uh, in a better position, uh, a better fit. Um, I think BYU is a very respectful football program. You know, they're one of the, the, the um, independents, you know, that, that, don't um, that that are usually very successful. Is is BYU an independent? Are they? They're they're an yeah. independent. They, yeah. I know they're in a. I think they're in the Mountain West in a basketball or, or whatever conference Gonzaga's in. It's not the Mountain West. It's the the WAC, the MWAC or whatever. But uh, or for for uh, football, they're a very respectable program. They they have good good programs throughout um, throughout throughout the time of history. But the one thing that they're going to struggle with is is recruiting. Um, you know, they're not necessarily in the best area you know they've got california and arizona to recruit from but they're not they're not as well equipped as i think like a houston uh, i don't think it's an overreaction i think they're going to both fit in perfect i think houston's probably a little bit more fit you know i think the big 12 being a little bit more of a honestly the way things are going it, you can't really even call it this anymore but a, a texas-based area the southwest as a conference um you've got texas oklahoma arkansas all this southwest area to recruit from and houston's a better proximity to all that so yeah. um, but no i don't think it's an overreaction i think both teams uh, byu obviously proving this week that to just knocked off baylor um picking up a good win and in, in houston 
uh, took Texas Tech to the wire. And I know Houston's beaten Texas Tech in past years. So both these programs are, I think, well-equipped yeah. to compete. And one more point about um, Houston. You know, Dana Holgerstein, I don't know if mm-hmm. I'm getting Holgerson, yeah. But he, you know, he coached uh, – he was head coach at West Virginia. So he's familiar with, you know, with the conference and, and, and kind of with uh, – you know, Oh, yeah. With the big boys. Well, so – so I think, uh, you know, that, that'll give him, uh, you know, some confidence going in as well. You bring up a great point about Holgerson. Holgerson's been in the Big 12 for most of his career. You know, he was an assistant, a longtime assistant under Mike Leach. Um, and he had a short stint at Oklahoma State, and then he spent um, most of his career as uh, at West Virginia. You know, the longest stay he's had, he was there for seven or eight years, uh, as long as stay being the head coach at West Virginia. So he knows how Big 12 football is played, and, um, you you bring up a great point uh, with with Dana Holgerson. He knows how the Big Twelve operates, and he knows how to recruit well. And Houston's a good place to recruit too. I mean, the Houston's been a really solid program for the last ten years or so. You know, Tom Herman really got them on the map, and and these last few assistants of or these last excuse me these last few few coaches that have come in after him have really kind of kept the the culture rolling there in Houston. So I think they're going to be just fine. Both those programs. Uh, last one, you're going to like this one right here, Coach Trip. Does uh, overreaction or not, Georgia needs to watch their back in the SEC West with Kentucky lurking right behind them. Absolutely not an overreaction. Uh, <laughs> you know, Kentucky was really good last year, and I think they're better this year. And so, I mean, look, Georgia's really good, no doubt about it. They're they're handling their business. Um, and we talked about how good they were last week. And, and of course, they lost 15 players to the NFL draft. Uh, look, they're the, they're the team to beat in, until somebody knocks them off. Um, but uh, it is not an overreaction to say you better watch out for Kentucky because Kentucky is, is the real deal, and they've got a, a, a pro-ready quarterback who's, who's gaining more and more confidence, and, and, and he uh, – look, I've never met him. I don't know anything about him, but my perception of him is just watching him play is, is, is he's going to relish that challenge. He wants to be tested. He wants to go against the best, and, and Georgia's the best. So, uh, look, I don't know. I, I've picked them to, to beat Georgia – whether that happens or not, I don't know, but it is not an overreaction at all to say that Georgia needs to be careful with Kentucky. No, I agree with you right there, Coach Tripp. I think uh, I, I don't. I don't think it's an overreaction as well. Uh, Mark Stoops is a great coach. You know, he comes from the Stoops family. You know, the younger brother of, uh, of Mike and Bob, right there. You know, um, so I, I think Kentucky's in a good spot right now. I really do. I don't think it's an overreaction. Georgia that you know that's gonna I hope man I hope that end of the I hope at the end of the season I hope they're both undefeated going into that game it's gonna be a fun one see who who brings home the east right there um and and Georgia you know um Kirby Smart he's not gonna he's got a lot of respect you know for 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 Stoops for Mark Stoops and, and that Kentucky program um and I think Will Slovis has is, is been a great addition to that team um, and it's going to be hard. Kentucky, Kentucky was already even in, in past years when they weren't as successful. Lexington, Kentucky is a tough place to go in there and play. So, you know, they're going to take take care of business in their home games. It's just whether or not they can go in there and win on the road. They proved that this last week went in a tough one down there in Gainesville. All right. Uh, and I'm going to uh, I'm going to throw out one. Uh, this is not over. This is one sud and one dud from from the weekend. Uh, I'll say my dud. Uh, in college football was special teams. We saw <laughs> Baylor and BYU uh, really struggling, had a chance to win the games. We saw Texas uh, miss a, a field goal. So those are uh, things, yeah, things that, that could have uh, won the game for, for Baylor and potentially for Texas. Um, so those are my duds. And I'm going to say um, my my suds, my, my raise a beer suds is to uh, Nick Saban. I don't know if you saw him when he was going to shake hands after the game. Some of his players were doing the horns down, and, and he made the comment, uh, quit doing that shit, I think was the, was the quote. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, early in the week, he didn't even know that was going to be a penalty. And here, you know, they had just gone into a hostile environment, gotten the win, and and he, uh, he at least addresses that to, look, don't be disrespectful. Don't disrespect your opponents. Don't re- disrespect the game. Don't disrespect Alabama. So I appreciated that. No, absolutely. You know, Coach Tripp, I, you know, I think you make two great points right there. The special teams was definitely a dud this week. I'll go with my, my, my one and one. My, I, 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 uh, my, my dud was the, uh, the, there were some teams that lost this week that didn't, shouldn't have lost, I think. I think the upsets, you know, upsets happen and they're fun to watch, but, um, the duds are really, you know, the Notre Dame, the A&M, those guys, 
Um, you know, there and there was Baylor. You know, not maybe not so much Baylor, but but there there's a lot of teams in that in that top 25 that went down this past week that really it really hurt their season. And, and um, you know, don't have a dog in every fight right here, but um, you, you hate to see some of the I, you hate to see some of these schools um, really struggle right 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 off the bat here in, in the first three weeks. Um, but but you know, I'll raise a glass to you, Coach Saban. Um, I, I'm sure. He, <laughs> I know, I know this, you know, and, and I've been on the receiving end of, of, of being yelled at, um, you know, heck, coach Sherp, you probably had to, you probably had to settle me down one or two times uh, out there, out there on the field and on the court, but I know it drive, drives coaches insane um, when, when you've got unnecessary, um, you know, you know, I'm sure as a coach, it drives you insane seeing penalties that, that are just, you know, un, unnecessary roughness, um, unsportsmanlike conducts, those kind of penalties that are just completely unnecessary. Of course, the game was over at that point. They weren't going to be able to penalize Bam at the point or at that point of the game or after, you know, the game being over. But I know that, you know, hats off to Saban, you know, trying to keep it classy. And, um, you know, I, I expect, you know, a coach as yourself, you and your coaching staff at Atlanta probably would have handled it the same way. Like, guys, cut that out. You know, there's no there's no need for that. Um, let's handle this victory. Um, and he's probably he's probably a little bit upset with them, you know, more than anything. Not necessarily, you know, Coach Saban's a classy guy, but you know, these guys are over here celebrating like they they really just put a beat down on Texas. They were lucky to win that game, and he's probably Absolutely. like, guys, cut that out right there. Like, there, you know, I don't think we really need to be celebrating this win right here. We were lucky to get out of Austin with a victory, but yeah, yeah, I got a lot of respect for Coach Saban. He gets a lot of flack for being. Um, for being tough on his players, but at the same time, he's a classy guy and he's not, he's not the coach he is without having a little bit of class. Absolutely. All right. Well, week uh, two in the books, we will uh, be back here next Sunday evening, six 30. Uh, as always, uh, hopefully you'll join us, interact with us. You can interact with us here through the comments, obviously Twitter. Hope to see you guys. Hope y'all all have a great week and we will see you next Sunday. Go Cowboys tonight. Oh yeah, that's that game should be should be about on. <laughs>